I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here. We have Michael Chernow, who is the founder of Creatures of Habit. And you may know Michael from a few other things that he's done in the past, but he's a serial entrepreneur, a restaurateur, a podcast host, and expert in the world of wellness, fitness, and nutrition. And I'm so honored to have him here today where we can learn just from his experience and his stories. And most recently, as I mentioned, he founded a company about a year ago called Creatures of Habit that he'll share more about that product and what he's learned and and sort of where it's going overall. But it's a terrific lifestyle and wellness brand that is absolutely delicious as well. So the idea for Creatures of Habit stemmed from Chernow's own life, celebrating uh, health and wellness, and 17 years ago became sober. Um, So really focusing on that aspect of his life, on how he continues to get healthy and be better and show us all sort of what he's learned along the way. He isn't new to the food scene, so this was uh, not surprising probably to many of his friends that he was starting a product, but he's also a graduate of the French Culinary Institute and has built some of New York City's most beloved restaurants, including the Meatball Shop and also Seymour's. And last but not least, you may have seen him on shows including Food Network's Beat Bobby Flay and Chop. So without further ado, Michael, welcome. Wow. What an intro. Thank you so much. <laughs> I think we could just end it. There yeah, it is. At that let point. me not mess it up. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And uh, you're the host of Creatures of Habit, where... Uh, you actually interviewed me for your show, which was a lot of fun. I love that you are diving into people's routines and their habits. And I think just by listening to your show and hearing about how people live their life and especially successful people and people who have changed and all those things that you really focus on, it's a great program as well. So I'm really, really excited to learn more about you and also just about, you know, your entrepreneurial journey. But I want to go way back to you as a kid. So did you know that you were going to be an entrepreneur? Who was Michael? It's a great question. I believe I have the answer. Before I hosted the Creatures of Habit podcast, I had a podcast called Born or Made because I I really do wonder whether people are born with their inherent or innate natural talent, or if they were made over time. We did over a hundred episodes of that podcast. It was kind of 50-50 down the middle because I would always ask the the guest whether they think they were born or made. And I was trying to interview as many people as I could that really inspired me over the years and, and, and many others. I believe I was born an entrepreneur. 
I thought entrepreneurially from as early as I can remember. I wasn't one of those kids that like stacked his toys in a toy box. I, I grew up in New York City. I grew up in Manhattan on 87th Street between 1st and 2nd Avenue. And I clearly remember being probably somewhere between four and five and asking my older sister to walk downstairs with me so I could sell my toys on the corner of 87th Street and 2nd Avenue. And I remember the first time I did it, I brought down a sheet. I put a sheet down on the ground and I lined up my toys, my He-Mans, my, you know, whatever, whatever they were, action figures. And I sold them for a dollar and, you know, people were buying them because it was this five-year-old kid selling, (laughs) selling toys. But I became totally enamored with being able to sell something. So I didn't let that go until this very second that I'm on here with you. (laughs) I got into baseball cards and basketball cards and comic books. And, you know, I'd go to the comic book store and the baseball card store around the corner from my house. And I would go inside, I'd grab a bunch of cards, I'd buy some cards and the cards that I didn't want, I'd stand outside and I'd try to sell to people walking in and out. I mean, I was always thinking about ways to make, do and create. And so when I was 12 years old, I got a job in a restaurant. And when I got that job, I felt like I had arrived. I felt like, and I, you know, it was in a vegan restaurant of all places. You know, I, I, my first business was called the meatball shop and I started in, in the candle cafe, but I, I, um, I really felt like I could express myself to the fullest. And what I learned early on is that really what I'm passionate about, really where my skill set resides is in connecting with human beings, engaging with and connecting with human beings. And that skill had sharpened over the years of working in restaurants because I, I, I worked in restaurants up until, you know, two and a half years ago when I decided to take a step back for a little while, but that skill honed and, and I, I'm not a, a ashamed to say that I'm very, very good at, at connecting with and engaging with humans. It's, it's something that I'm genuinely passionate about. I love listening to other people, appreciating what they're saying, adding my creative influence to it, and then developing atmospheres, environments, and products to make them happier than they currently are. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip, Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises 
so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And I think that that's what I do well. So I I worked in restaurants all through high school. Uh, After high school, I I went to college for a year, realized that it was a waste of my time and money. Uh, Ultimately went to culinary school. While I was there, Cornell was putting on a restaurant management, a, a truncated version of their hotel school program there. And so I decided to enroll in that. Graduated when I was 26, wrote a business plan from 27 to 28, and opened up my first business in February of 2010. 
uh, right after my 29th birthday. And it was called The Meatball Shop. And that's when everything really started for me. So The Meatball Shop, talk to me a little bit about that. Like, how did you get the idea to do meatballs? I mean, where did this come about? My last job before I opened my first business was at an Italian restaurant in the East Village called Frank. I was there for a long time. I was like the magnet of the restaurant. It was a small restaurant, very popular, packed all the time, food delicious. I worked there for eight years. I got hired there when I was 20. I worked every position in that restaurant and I worked there until I opened up the meatball shop. Literally a week before I actually opened the door of the meatball shop to the public, I worked at Frank Restaurant. And uh, there's a dish on the menu there called the rigatoni al ragu. There's unbelievable food there. The simplest dish, however, the most delicious dish, the rigatoni ragu, was what people came there for. Rigatoni pasta, meatballs, and sausage in a tomato sauce. And, you know, for years, I would order the rigatoni ragu sans the rigatoni. So I would just get the tomato sauce, meatballs, and sausage in a bowl with a side of broccoli and a side of spinach, sometimes an arugula salad, sometimes beet salad. It would just be a bunch of sides and this bowl of, of meatballs and sausages. And that was my staff meal. And, uh, you know, over the years, people say, what are you eating? What are you eating? What are you and then finally, I said, you know, the truth of the matter is people just love meatballs, no matter how you slice it. When people see like meatballs on a menu in an Italian restaurant, there's something that, that gravitates them towards it. And I said, you know, the beauty of meatballs is that you really, it's very versatile. You can make anything into a meatball, even vegetables. You can, you can make veggie balls. And so I started creating recipes, all different kinds of meatballs, all different kinds of proteins, vegetables cooking a bunch of different sides. And my best friend from childhood and my business partner at the meatball shop, uh, Daniel Holzman, I dragged him back from California to come and work on this project with me. And we cooked meatball and side dinners at my house in my apartment in Brooklyn for all of our friends for months. And uh, that's how it was created. You know, I, I owe a lot to my my mentor, Frank Prisanzano, who's the owner of Frank Restaurant. I mean, that, that guy really, really gave me an opportunity to cut my teeth he did not micromanage me. He really left me to learn on my own in that restaurant. And I learned an enormous amount in all aspects. But yeah, that's where the meatball shop started. You have said a bunch of things in, in describing that experience. So, you know, besides knowing how to make incredible things, what do you think going to school like at the French Culinary Institute taught you about food? Interestingly, I will always advise people to learn in the field. That's where I have learned the absolute brunt of my knowledge in the field, for sure. You cannot pay for that kind of learning, you know, in the field learning. The thing that I learned at the French Culinary Institute, I've never worked in a fine dining restaurant. I've never had an, an, an interest in working in a fine dining restaurant. It's never been something that I was, I, I don't enjoy eating in fine dining restaurants, really. I do it because I'm in the industry. But like when I walk out of a you know, $1,000 meal for my wife and I, nine out of 10 times, I'm like, eh, I would have preferred, you know, sushi. <laughs> um, but I, I'd never worked in a fine dining seminar. So I really, really got to, to harness the intricacies of French technical cooking, which was amazing and something that I will always have, even though today, no matter like how I cook today is, is if I was to open up a restaurant today, I mean, I, I know what it would be. And it's as, as simple as it gets. I only cook with olive oil, salt and lemon, everything. 
everything I cook is with olive oil, salt, and lemon. Every once in a while, I'll use some pepper. Every once in a while, I'll use some onion and garlic. Nine out of 10 things that I cook for myself and my family is with olive oil, salt, and lemon. And I try to use the best of the best ingredients and that's it. And so if I had a restaurant today, it would really be like awesome menu, but everything would be done with olive oil, salt, and lemon. I think that's the name of the restaurant. Yeah, olive oil, salt, and lemon. (laughs) Well, you just think about it, right? Like there's three things that you need to create incredible flavor, right? You need fat, you you need salt, and you need acid. So like those three things paired with incredibly seasonal, perfect ingredients, you know, I don't think you need much else. And so uh, that's what I would do today if I was going to open up another restaurant. But I think the other pieces that I heard you talk about was that you had somebody who inspired you. Well, I'll tell you why I went to culinary school. And this is actually truth. I was 25 years old, 24, 25. I'll also quickly talk about, you know, we, you had mentioned that I, I made a decision to get sober. So when I was, you know, I started working in restaurants in New York City at 12 years old. Literally, I was working at night in New York City at 12 years old. And I worked at night, you know, all the time. When you're young and you're working at night in New York City, you know, people think it's fun to like get drunk with you and party with you. And, you know, because you're like this young kid running around and like, you know, it's like out of a movie. I mean, I was literally working in like New York City's hottest nightclub at 16 years old. So I got exposed to a lot of amazing things that I would never, ever change. I wouldn't change any of my history or my past, but I also was exposed to some some pretty significantly dark things in the world of drug abuse and alcohol abuse. When I was 23 years old, I knew that if I didn't stop doing what I was doing and walking the path I was walking, I was going to die based on how I was you know, conducting. And so I reached out for help and I found somebody to help, help me get sober. When I got sober at 23, my life changed very quickly. Wellness, fitness, and nutrition swooped in and saved my life. I, I dove head first. I replaced all of my bad habits with really great ones. And I had a great support system around me to help help carry me through that and and introduce me to these uh, to these awesome new habits and so within within sixty days ninety days I was a completely different human being I was in the best shape of my life I was running long distance training Muay Thai kickboxing eating incredibly healthy like everything changed my mother my family everybody was like oh my god what happened to this guy how is this even possible so. When I was 25 years old, I've been working at Frank. I was, I was already working at Frank, you know, before I got sober for a number of years, two to three years, got sober. Frank, you know, was basically like a father figure ish to me. And he saw me, he was, he fired me before I got sober and said, you know, I can't do this. I can't watch you do this to yourself. And that is really what one of the things that inspired me to get sober because I said, I can't let this guy down and I love my job so much. And so when I was 25, I said, Hey, Frank, you know, I know I'm moving a little quickly here, but I want to open up my own place. I know this is what I want to do. And he looked at me. It was in his loft uh, in Soho. And he looked at me and he said, Mikey, I love you, man. And I'm so proud of where you've come. I just don't think you have it in you. I just, I just don't think you have it in you. And that was the fire that I needed to ignite the man I am today. He um, challenged you. He challenged me. And I said, oh, is that? Like, okay, 
Like I'm not, you're, you know, you're 15 years, my senior, like I, I, I believe you, um, in a lot of the things that you do, I just don't believe you in this one. Like, I don't, I don't actually think you're right. So if you were me and you wanted to prove you wrong, what would you do? And he was like, I would go to culinary school. And I was like, okay, I immediately enrolled in culinary school. So that's what really inspired me to go to culinary school. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, and the beauty of, of, of what happened was I told Frank exactly my plan. I said, I'm going to go to culinary school. When I graduate from culinary school in 18 months or 24 months, I'm going to write a business plan. I, you know, all these regulars at Frank restaurant have been, have watched me grow from a boy to a man. I'm going to drop a business plan in front of as many of them as I can. And I'm going to try to open up a restaurant. And he was like, dude, you know, go for it, go, go for it. And that's exactly what I did. And that's exactly what happened. And I put the meatball shop business plan in front of must have been 30 regulars that really, it was a real regular spot. I mean, people were coming in there. I was the king of selling a $13 bowl of pasta and a $1,300 bottle of Quintarelli wine. You know, like the wine list was insane and the food was pretty reasonable, but the wine list was like the best Italian wine list in New York. And so I was just the king of like really getting to know people, really understanding what people wanted. And when somebody would come in that I knew was interested in the wine list, I would give them the experience of a lifetime because I was so passionate about it. I did that and then 14 regulars wrote me my first uh, my first check into business. So 14 guys wrote me a $25,000 check and you know we were off to the races. I'm gonna share an incredible secret with you that is going to make you very, very happy. It's called Magic Links. And a Magic Links campaign is the best kept secret for anyone looking to grow their business. Magic Links means sales. Doing a campaign with Magic Links is a bankable, reliable return on your investment. They share influencer-specific sales, customer visits, and social metrics across all platforms. From product launches to year-long evergreen campaigns, they connect you with influencers who meet your brand's needs. And the greatest thing about working with Magic Links is that you know which influencers are actually driving those sales so you can continue scaling your business. We all know that the creator economy is driving consumer purchases every day. Magic Links is the global leader in social commerce relied on by many growing brands. Stop wasting hours hunting for the perfect social media ambassadors. Magic Links will help you launch and scale your influencer marketing program quickly and the right way. It's easy to get started and see the results of your campaign with full funnel tracking all the way through to conversions. And by the way, their tools help creators share products they love and they earn income as their fans shop. A Magic Links campaign is waiting for you. It's a bankable, reliable return on your investment. It's easy to get started and see the results of your campaign fast. Go to magiclinks.com and get started today. That's magiclinks.com to start your campaign today. Magiclinks.com. Well, I think your story about having a doubter in your life, like you're, how many times have uh, I certainly have asked for people's opinions? Maybe I haven't even asked for their opinion and they've given it to me and said, this is never going to happen. And that for me is fuel. And that is a consistent thread amongst entrepreneurs where maybe they think, okay, I'm going to tell Michael that, you know, this is never going to work. This is a dumb idea. You should never, he's setting the goal high. And then I bet he thought that you would never do it. Well, it's funny because now 
you know, after, so, so I opened up meatball shop and we, and it was like gangbusters crazy. I mean, gangbusters, four hour waits every single night around the block. Within six months, I paid off our, paid back our investors. I mean, we were cooking meatballs on Jay Leno, Jimmy Fallon, Chelsea Handler, Good Morning America, Today Show. I mean, it was crazy for that first year and a half, really. And Frank was calling me and asking me for advice on, on PR and, you know, talking to me about all these things that I was doing. And I asked him, I said, you know, did you really, did you really mean that when we were, when I had told you what I wanted to do? And he said, you know, I think that I, I said what I said to inspire you, but in my heart of hearts, I didn't know if you had what it took because of your past. And I didn't know if, the, if you were going to be able to overcome that to the level of where you are today. I didn't know if it was going to come back and bite you. And, uh, and so he'll, he'll say today, you know, that, that he did it to inspire me. Uh, but we're am- amazing friends um, to this day. I mean, and, you know, he's actually taking over an old restaurant of mine. I mean, he's, we're, we're, you know, we love each other. I love that guy. You know, it's a great story, but it's a story of you have a choice. Allow the doubters or the people that put a target on your list to go and, and, and achieve, and you can be frustrated. Um, you can say they don't know what they're talking about, or you can actually use it as fuel to go and do something really inspiring like what you did. So really, really incredible. So then you leave the restaurant industry and you decide to launch a consumer product. So what was the thinking behind this? I mean, obviously you've been in the food industry. This product is a little bit different. Um, So do you want to describe a little bit behind Creatures of Habit and sort of how you decided to launch initially as a direct-to-consumer product as you and I were talking about, but hopefully... One day soon, it will also be in stores. But I'd love to hear sort of the backstory of that. Well, just quickly, you know, so Meatball Shop, I launched in 2010. I scaled it to six restaurants. I wanted to see if I had what it took to create another concept in the restaurant space. I was passionate about sustainable seafood. So I then launched a concept called Seymour's in 2015, and I scaled that one. It was a similar story to Meatball Shop, very successful, you know, when you do something successful in the restaurant business, people just want to throw money at you, you know? So I was just trying to figure out how to navigate that. Um, but I ended up scaling that one to six restaurants. And I learned through the 12 years of creating, running and scaling restaurants that what I really love to do, I love connecting with and engaging with human beings and creating these environments, atmospheres and, and products for them. But really, I also love creating like that, that, back at half of that, creating things that people love. Like I love creating brand. I love building. I love lifting up rocks and, and doing that, that, that dirty work of really, really like zero to 60. I love that piece of it. So in 2018, I said to my partner, Jay at Seymour's, I said, Hey, or actually we had talked about it early on when he, when he had originally came on, I said, you know, chances are I'm going to want to run this thing with you for five years, sell some equity if we're successful and then go create another brand. And he said, you know, his, his skill set is scaling from five to 500. So I, you know, he was like, great. We did that in 2019. Creatures of Habit was initially going to be a restaurant. I wanted to open up a, a dinner, it would, it would be open for lunch as well, but I wanted to open up a dinner focused restaurant that was healthy. 
that had an environment and an atmosphere and a vibe. Most healthy restaurants in New York City, specifically dinner restaurants, are very crunchy. <laughs> you know, it's very like hippy dippy, tapestry on the wall, not like a place that you want to go hang out with your friends. Like, you know, people that go to Sweet Greens every day don't necessarily have like a like a dinner place that they want to go hang out at every night. Um, and I wanted to create that. And what I was going to do with that brand was I was going to use this awesome restaurant as an incubator for a line of CPG uh, that I could sell retail and direct to consumer. So we would really be having, you know, it would be a, a, like a like a, a food lab with uh, an in real time test market to see what people were picking up off the shelf. Um, pandemic hit, right? Uh, the pandemic hit in 2020. And I had all my investors lined up. I had the location lined up. I was literally about to sign the lease in the in the beginning of March. And I had to change course. Um, I packed up my bags with, you know, after after a few months of, of being in New York City, my wife and I decided to pack up our, our bags uh, and take our kids to our weekend home in upstate New York. And that bag just got bigger and bigger. Uh, <laughs> we ended up renting out our place in Brooklyn for a year. And then ultimately, I said, you know, the lifestyle is just far better where we are in upstate. And, you know, half of New York City have moved, has moved up here anyway. Uh, so, you know, the talent pool has actually become pretty awesome where I am. We, we sold our place and, and, and we're full time up here. But really what inspired the first the hero product of, of Creatures of Habit, which is this um, instant and overnight protein oatmeal blend, um, was my sober story. When I got sober, these two guys that I was lucky enough to meet were competitive athletes and they were sober and they saw something in me and they took me under their wing and said, we're going to write you a fitness plan. We're going to write you a nutrition plan and we're going to hold your hand to get sober. And they were like probably eight or nine years older than me. I really looked up to these guys and I hadn't looked up to anybody in a long time. I was so in a dark place. I, I really didn't have anybody to, to look up to. And when these guys were introduced to me, I said, Oh, wow. Like the, you know, I just didn't know that that was possible, um, in the world of sobriety. You know, I thought I was going to be sitting with a bunch of squares, you know, or like old guys in, in, you know, in like raincoats, trench coats in the basement of a church. Uh, and so that was not the story for me. The first thing these these guys told me to eat every single day was was oatmeal. First thing they said they said, "Look, you know, don't don't ask questions." He said, "The first thing we want you to eat every day is oatmeal, and then we want you to go to a meeting, and then we want you to come to the gym and train Muay Thai with us, and we're going to teach you how to defend yourself, and we're going to teach you about discipline and um, integrity and humility and honor and commitment and getting back up and all these things that I learned through martial arts." from these guys. And then they said, you're going to go have chicken and broccoli for lunch. You are going to go home and take a nap. You're going to go to work. You're going to have chicken and broccoli for dinner. And you're going to do the exact same thing tomorrow. And I said, okay. And when I was on a run, uh, you know, when we had finally made the decision to come up here, uh, I, I, I was on a run and I was like, what am I going to do with creatures of habit? I knew I had to do something with creatures of habit. And so I drew a line to the restaurant, of course. And then I just said, oh, oatmeal. I I've been eating this oatmeal concoction for the last almost 18 years. Well, at that time, it was 17 years. 
And every morning I make my oatmeal with, with plant-based protein. I make it with chia seeds, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, pink Himalayan salt, water. And then on the side of that, I've got my probiotic, my digestive enzymes, my vitamin D3, and my omega-3 fatty acids. And I was on this run and I said, you know, I've been feeding myself this every single day for years. I look forward to it every morning. I do not get sick of it. It makes me feel good, look good. I want to be able to share. I want to be able to package this thing and sell it because I know that if it was available, I'd buy it because I know what it does for me. I know that it gives me this awesome nutritional win every single morning. Every single morning I have it, I win, period. And if I could start my day with a nutritional win, which is what I do, the chances of me succeeding throughout the rest of the day nutritionally are far greater than if I start with a donut or a bagel or a you know sugary cereal. You know, I just have a much better shot at fulfilling what I know makes me feel good, which is to be healthy and and live long, be able to like hang with my kids for, you know, I'm 42 years old. I feel like, I mean, I know I've got bleach blonde hair, but I feel like I'm like 25. Yeah. It's the truth, you know? And so I started, I, I became obsessed with trying to figure out how to, how to package this. Um, I hired a, a, a natural food scientist in California. We worked on it for a year finally came to something that I thought was 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 pretty close to ready. And I said, you know, I'm not going to open up an oatmeal business. I'm going to open up a lifestyle and wellness brand that I'm going to be able to help people change their lives because I know that my life was changed through wellness. And it really started with oatmeal. So if I can, and it's not about the oatmeal, it's about the decisions we make on a daily basis define whether we are going to be successful or not. It's just that simple. There is no pill you can take. There is no switch you can flip. There is no easy way out. There's no easy way in. It is all going to take work and it is all based on a string of decisions that we get the chance to make every single day, also known as habits. We get to make the decisions. No one makes them for us unless we give them that power. And so if I can get people to make better decisions with their nutrition, similar exactly to what you've done, if I can make the, if I can give them a tool to make a better decision in the beginning of their day, then I've won. And I've also been able to tell my story of change and overcome. And, you know, it's never too late. And that's Creatures of Habit. So we launched it last August. We're coming up on a year. Things are going really well. Uh, the product is awesome. It's got all the things that I just said. It's got 30 grams of plant-based protein, premium gluten-free oats, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D3, chia seeds, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, pink salt. Um, you can make it overnight, which is the way most people like to eat it. You can make it instant with hot water, which is actually my favorite way. Um, you can throw it in the microwave. You can make a smoothie out of it. A lot of people bake cookies with it, but it is really a unique product because it sort of blends the barrier of functional oatmeal and vitamins and supplements in one pouch. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop. Um, it is a, you know, it's a complete, incredibly healthy, delicious meal that uh, I take everywhere with me. And everyone has to try it. It's great. I was going to ask you the question, what it means to develop a mission-based brand to you, but I think you just answered that. I mean, with such passion and you know, that it's not just about launching a consumer product. For me, what I was really hearing is that it's meaningful to you because you want to bring what you've experienced in your life and what makes you feel good um, and what makes you feel healthy and, and be healthy to a lot of other people, which I think is uh, 
it's a powerful thing. And it's something that I think um, many mission-based, I'm certainly a mission-based entrepreneur as well, that I didn't, there's a lot of choices that you can make in in your life and different jobs that you can do. But when you become a mission-based entrepreneur like you are, I think it's, uh, um, it has a different meaning, right? And it's coming from a place of, um, of wanting to help people. And so it's a, it's a really powerful thing. What do you think is one of the biggest challenges you faced in launching this brand? I, obviously, you know, it's an oatmeal, but more in a very crowded category of oatmeal. I mean, is differentiating the product versus other oatmeals out there, getting the message out there. What has been kind of one of the bigger challenges that you faced? I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with kicking it off with that, right? This is not just oatmeal. And and again, like I said it earlier, I have no interest in being an oatmeal brand. I want to be the habit brand that helps people make better decisions. So because there are oats in our product, it does make sense to call us some form of oatmeal because you make it similarly to how you would make oatmeal. However, there's so much more in it than just oatmeal or than than just oats. It really becomes this unique product. And so being able to educate that, because if, you know, there are people that are accustomed to protein powder, for instance, and get it and try it. And they're like, holy smokes, this is like unbelievable. I love this product. I've been making my own protein and oatmeal for years it takes forever. Like It's clumpy. Like This thing is perfect. It saves me so much time. And then there are the people that order the, you know, the, the, the oatmeal and are not accustomed to protein powder or anything else in their oatmeal. They're accustomed to Quaker oats instant or, or I mean, or, you know, instant oats. And they try this product and they're like, what the hell is this? I have no idea what this is. I ordered oatmeal. This is definitely not what I'm used to. And so that piece of the puzzle is is something that we have been really focused on trying to overcome in terms of how do we how do we educate the person that is already taking a, a leap by spending more money with us than they are with their either Quaker or Bob's Red Mill. Uh, but but understanding that, you know, for under five bucks a meal, you're getting this full, complete, absolutely complete, incredibly healthy meal that checks all the wellness boxes really you don't need to supplement with other things uh, in the beginning of your day, specifically, if you have this product. So trying to be able to figure out that. And then I think the the other piece for me is, you know, I, I think I, 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 I know from being a restaurateur, I'm not going to please everyone. I'm just I'm just never I'm never going to please everyone. And And price sensitive people are price sensitive. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar, 50 cents. Or $575, someone who is a price sensitive person, which I, I have nothing against actually. I think price sensitive people pro- are probably, are probably winning. Uh, but I'm not going to be able to c- convince a price sensitive person to spend more money than they're comfortable spending. Right. And so, you know, I'm just not. And, and that's okay because there are non price sensitive people or people that are willing or want to spend more money on their health and wellness than others. So that, you know, that is that that has also been a thing because we're not a dollar a portion a serving. If you if you buy one time, it's just under five dollars. And if you subscribe, it's it's four dollars a meal. And when you think about that, like people spend more money than that on their Frappuccino from Starbucks and their uh, McDonald's breakfast meal. 
But when people categorize us with oatmeal, it becomes a bit of a different story. That's what I'm fighting. Yeah, that's what you're fighting, the category and and sort of basically they're living in a box and they're putting you into a box. And so how do right. you actually articulate that? And I think the story behind what you're doing is very powerful. I know you talked about how you've got a lot of people, you know, influencers on different platforms talking about the product too. How important do you think storytelling is in, in building brands today? I mean, I think, first of all, you have to have a great product that tastes good. I think I pick on Red Bull, like gone are the days where you could launch a product like Red Bull that no one has ever thought tasted great. People didn't consume Red Bull because they thought, oh, it tastes so delicious. It's just that it gave you wings, right? Or it gave you, you know, energy and lots of other things. But today, you have to have a product that tastes good. Not to everybody but to a chunk of consumers. And that's what's important. But in addition, I think that people attach brands and price becomes less important when they really understand who's behind it. I think today the distrust of large companies is massive, right? I think that having the people behind the the brands and how people feel about brands is really important. I was fortunate to be able to go to Nicker Island a, a month ago and get to talk to Richard Branson. And I mean, you know, when you think about storytelling and how people feel about the brands, I mean, I think he's just the, you know, master behind so many brands. And I think your story and sort of what you've been able to overcome and, and get healthy and all those things are definitely a part of this too. But I'm curious to hear what you think. The business of business is storytelling and then relationships, and then culture. Those three things in that order, I believe, are what makes successful businesses sustain. You've got to be able to tell a story with what you're doing without having the founder or the CEO or the president of the company standing at the door everywhere telling everybody the story. You know, And I was able to learn that through creating environments. And when I created the meatball shop, I wasn't creating an Italian restaurant. I was creating an old school New York City institution, which is what ultimately it is, it is now and has be, and you know has become and, and still is. And when you walk into the meatball shop, that is like you immediately get like hit with this feeling of that environment that I was out to set out to create. With Seymour's, the story I'm telling there is Cape Cod meets Montauk meets, you know, Maryland in New York City, inexpensive, super approachable seafood with an awesome vibe. Like I want you to get transported into into one of these places. You walk into Seymour's, any one of those restaurants, you walk through the door, it could be zero degrees in New York City, you walk through the door and it's like, boom, I am like in a different place. That's us telling the story. That is that is how we tell, tell the story in the restaurant. And then, of course, this, you know, when the story's clear, the staff and the people that work within the organization are stoked and they feel supported. And that's where the relationships come in, right? That is like the relationships I have with my team are the most important relationships I can have in business. The relationships I have with the people I work with, how they feel about the company, how they feel about their job, how they feel about me, how they feel about how I am leading. 
those relationships are the relationships that I really want to garner. And then ultimately, if those relationships are great, the sky's the limit. Because if you could tell your story, you've got these amazing relationships with the people that you work with, you could spread the gospel. You know, anybody that encounters the company or the business or the restaurant or, the, or whatever it is, the product is going to feel that in some way, shape or form. Right? Totally agree. And then, then the culture is what you sell. The culture is because the story's there. The relationships around the story is there. That is ultimately the culture, how you walk, how you talk, how you celebrate, how you mourn, how you dance, what you eat, the things you read, the music you listen to, like all those things that define a culture. Like when I travel, I'm, I, say to my, I say to my wife and myself, I'm like, gosh, like I would love to go there, but I really want to dig into the food. Like I want to, I want to get to the, I want to get to the farmer's market. I want to meet the people growing this stuff. I want to dance with them at night. I want to sit in their restaurants. I want to like, I want to celebrate with them. I want to understand how these people live. And that's how I think about a business culture. So that when somebody comes to visit us, they're like, whoa, that is something else. I want to be a part of that. I mean, I do believe that between culture, relationships, and storytelling, I think that trifecta is what makes a business sing. And the sky's the limit with what you can do if you can if you could really make those things a priority. Obviously, financials are important. Operations are important. All those things are important. But those things are actually never going to really work out unless you have a story to tell, relationships to build, and a culture to uphold. That's how I feel about business. Yeah. And then and consumers it, want to be a part of that. And then the operators have things to operate and the financial guys have, you know, strings to pull. But without that stuff, what are they what are you selling? What are you selling? No, it's absolutely it's so true. Well, it was such a pleasure talking to you, Michael, and everybody needs to go out and uh, not go out, actually go online and get your product. Where's the best place for people to purchase it? Uh, creaturesofhabit.com. It's it's creatures with a K, creaturesofhabit.com. You can pop over there, check out what we got. We also have some really, really cool apparel to sort of give the community and the, and the, uh, and, and the people that support us an opportunity to feel a little bit more part of the team because some really cool apparel that we sell. But, uh, you know, the product is available in six different flavors. Check out creaturesofhabit.com with a K. What's your favorite flavor? Oh, that's so hard. Uh, I love the peanut butter banana. I'm a peanut butter dude. So I, and that's our, la that's our newest flavor, the peanut butter banana. We dropped a couple of months ago. We have a new flavor coming out very soon. I would say it's probably between the peanut butter banana and, and the chocolate. Cause I, I make, but I make the chocolate with, with hot coffee. <laughs> I just, I love it. Instead of using hot water, I mix it with hot coffee and it's just delicious. I love it. Well, thank you so much. And thanks everybody for listening. Definitely give this episode five-star rating. Michael is just absolutely awesome. And I'm super excited for you all to try this product and support Michael. And uh, I can't wait to see what comes next as well for Creatures of Habit. And if you haven't listened to his podcast, to definitely do that as well. And we are here now every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday um, with incredible stories across all industries of founders and leaders sharing all kinds of lessons like Michael has with us today. So thank you, everyone. And uh, thanks again, Michael. And goodbye for now. Have a great rest of the week, everyone. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. 
successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.